welcome everyone to another episode of Out of Character with Jupiter and Cotton. Hello, Cotton. Hello, Jupiter. And we have two special guests. We have Bamps here with us, who attended Gen Con with the group. And we have Oz with us, who also attended Gen Con with the group, but probably did it smarter. Well, I did it wealthier, <laughs> we'll say. <laughs> <laughs> Good job getting out in front of it. <laughs> I, I mean... Wow. <laughs> I need you to determine right now which of your two guests is the specialist. Yeah. <laughs> I need you to choose. Depends on the definition <laughs> of special. Somebody does <laughs> like to make us feel like peasants. <laughs> but it is nice he does come down from the ivory tower to hang with us. Yeah, in this case it's a, it's a, it's the it's the omni tower. It was a literal <laughs> tower. I have to show the people that I care. Yeah. <laughs> I will meet you in the lobby of my hotel. I will not go further. Ah, Bamps, you're always the most special. You know that. You're prettiest girl. You're best girl. And he mutes himself, probably because he's hacking up a lung. Gen Con! God damn! <laughs> so, Gen Con uh, happened. We were, most of us were there. Tom didn't make it. Grafa didn't make it. But the rest of the cast was there which we haven't done for several years i believe gen con is back in full force attendance dipped after 2020 but this year it was back in full force and it irritated the shit out of me oh, oh my god yeah what what irritated the I'm shit so out of me about this you have been whinging for years about how I gen know. con's sad it's sad gen it's, con's it's, not, it's not here it's not that it didn't feel the same. I know, but now it came back with a vengeance. They sold out uh, four-day badges. They sold out uh, Saturday one-day badges. It felt like there were 85,000 people in the room on Thursday when they said, no, 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 there's only 75,000. I'm like, no, there's a lot more people. I blame room. Disney. What's 10,000 oh, people? Oh, my gosh. Friends? Right, what's ten thousand people? Well, ask ask Cotton's wife. Um <laughs> because she's paying for him going yeah. to Gen Con. <laughs> you know, I brought a souvenir back. You know, it's important to All right. So we got a lot of things to talk about, right? Um, number one, yes, let's let's blame Disney. 100% Why do you want to blame Disney, Bamps? Tell so us about it. Thursday, the Sue's, this being her first time going to Gen Con, I was really uh -huh. excited to to make sure that she had a good time. But Thursday, day one, 10 o'clock, we're getting in there. We're trying to get to an event that we had. And the mass of people outside the exhibit hall was huge. Uh -huh. And it's it got to a point where you couldn't move. It was like they had this section over here on the right that was supposed to be for traffic, where the section on the left was people pressing to get in uh -huh. and find out two days later that they had this Disney card game whose name, yeah. Lorcana. Mm -hmm. Who, I believe it was Saturday they had people lining up at like 6 a.m.? No, Thursday. Thursday. Was, okay. The, so the then morning I, of Gen Con. Yep. Then I was thinking to myself, that's why it was so ridiculous because you had the people that were trying to get in and then you had this line of people that were just in line that went right down the middle of the, like there's the doors to the exhibit hall, the mess of people, and then there's just a line, and then there's everybody else trying to get by to get to 
events to get to other doors, yeah. to get to the bathroom, to just get just by. The hallway, just just to walk, just to walk through the ICC was so clogged. Yeah, um, I was uh, late for an event because of that. I, I mean, yeah. I was like, I'm so smart, I'm going to avoid the 10 a.m. doors opening at the at the exhibit hall. It was so crowded, I could not get to, I couldn't get through it. Like, like Pam said, you cannot get through it. It almost felt a little unsafe because it was yeah. a good, like, 40 yards of just people. Like, and, mm-hmm. and it's not a narrow hallway. It is just so damn packed. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Thursday, big day. <laughs> but that line, that Lorcana line, occurred. The whole time the vendor room was open and before, because people lined up before it even started. And people, it was, it's Disney's product. People were there for it. And they were telling, some people were telling me that they stood in line four to six hours just to get some of these cards. That they were giving out a promo card while you stood in line. And then when you bought something, you got another promo card. Wow. And I also heard on, I think from the same person who told me how long they stayed in line. Yeah. Uh, six and a half hours. Psychotron says six and a half hours for two people in his group that the promo cards are going for $200 a piece on eBay. And some of the cards in the Lorcana set were already going for two grand. Wow. Yeah. Unbelievable. This isn't even players. This no. is the Disney fanatic. Disney people. This is I, I did not understand until this moment their dedication. I I, I knew they were crazy. <laughs> it's, and I, pre- it's and not I love some Disney shit. Mental illness? It yes. was it was crazy. I remember I sat down, I met your friend, uh Jupiter Kayla. So mm-hmm. I met her where this little like a little, a little offshoot lobby area of the ICC, like a little quiet corner, and there was this guy who I would never talk to again. But he says, yeah, there's a game called, called Lorcana Disney is coming out with. And I was like, oh, I hadn't heard shit. He goes, yeah, it's kind of like magic, but like, you know, it's like friendlier and it's more about creatures and you don't really interact when your opponent's turn. And I'm like, oh, 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 that sounds like Hearthstone. Ooh, I want like, I want to counter spells and do board wipes. He's like, yeah, it may not be for you. I didn't understand. He was like, yeah, we just invented uh, gold. And uh, it, was, it, was like, it was like someone casually talking about this new movie where, like, this guy is going to go, like, uh, fight against the Empire with his, uh, with his like, weird knight friends with, like, weird laser swords. I'm like, yeah, that's fucking dumb. And uh, apparently it was a big deal. So yeah. uh, I, I, think, I think it's safe to say it was the Gen Con item this year. I would agree with that. It was, it was the not even item. Like, what, had... <laughs> what do you determine as the item? Is it the one that makes the, one the most that, money, or the one that had that the most people wanted? Yeah, people bought a badge that's worth money to stand in a six-hour line on their vacation to be able to get access to maybe the card. It was like, the item. Yeah. If, yeah. if you had told yeah. me, hey, Cotton. You will be guaranteed to get a card. You can flip on eBay for a thousand dollars, but you have to wait for six hours. I wouldn't do that because I only get a certain amount of vacation time a year. I have to fly <laughs> to Indianapolis. Like this, like that. That was like now two grand. I probably would have put up with it, but <laughs> that was not even guaranteed. That is nothing else was like that. There was nothing even in the same ten percent ballpark. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know like Candela. Did you know that Candela Obscura and Daggerheart? They were like stuffed over in the Marriott. Meanwhile, the Disney fucking machine is at full steam in the convention <laughs> center. Yeah, I mean Darrington Press was there with with that with their new RPGs, but no, I think Lorcana overshadowed everything with the exception of 
one thing. And for that, we need to roll back to Wednesday. We've got nope. to go back. We're going to go back to Wednesday. Back to None of us were really there Wednesday day. We showed up Wednesday evening. When we did, we saw a heavy police presence. <laughs> oh, Oz, let me... No, I gave you the Lorcana. <laughs> let you what? So the only reason we were there <laughs> Wednesday is because uh-huh. we were picking up the pre-order for the werewolf yes. physical book. Uh-huh. Which is where we saw these cops. Or yes. you saw these cops. I didn't see them. We saw the cops. I saw the cops. Oz, you saw the cops because you got I saw the cops. You got downtown first because you stayed downtown, which was a genius move on your part. But it is because you are so wealthy and we are but peasants. But you saw the <laughs> cops. Can you tell us why there were so many cops? Because, uh, and this is uh, also everybody who's listening to this, uh, we hold this close to our hearts. There was a, there was a crime that happened. A crime was committed. And not only, just, not just any crime, but a nerd crime. A and nerd those, crime! Those are the best kind of crimes. And they're, they're so rare. They are. <laughs> and this is a good one. This it's is so a good. good one. This is a great one. It's this fantastic. Shadow Run. Right. So Wednesday morning, as vendors are coming in to drop off their wares at the loading dock in the convention center, two guys walk in, acting like they own the place, saunter right up to a pallet stuffed with uh, apparently $300,000 worth of Magic the Gathering cards, take the pallet, and vanish. 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 It, It took Indianapolis police a week to find these people. <laughs> Not to find them. They only got their names and know they're from New York, but they have yet to locate them or the cards, last I heard. Ah. Uh, and so... a- apparently, uh, Wizards of the Coast is not paying the Pinkertons enough to find them. <laughs> I, bet, I bet the Pinkertons got released and they were like, well, well, well. Yeah. So this is why I was sympathetic to Wizards. People steal their cards. <laughs> I said it before. It's like, wow, what a shocker! They they employ private security for people who steal their shit. Immediately get jacked. <laughs> All right. So here are my questions. This is I I talked about this with my brother yesterday, and we went over some stuff. My my one question. I'm going to ask it of each of you. Was it a crime of opportunity, or was it planned? Bams. It is hard to say because. Hmm. Like, I haven't looked at any of the footage or anything, mm-hmm. but in previous years, I helped Opti out with some of the, the promotions and stuff for his games and Kickstarters. So I've been back there, and there is just chaos pandemonium as all these people are coming through after breaking down, or, and which I assume is also for setting up. So there's just pallet jacks and stuff laying around. That being said, why are you, as somebody who is not an exhibitor or part of the exhibitor walking around the back of the ICC. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it's just a big empty parking lot back there. And it's not like it's public parking, Mm-mm. right? Nope, it's not. And not that area, no. I don't think there's anything connected via breezeways or any of the other aspects of the ICC that somebody would just be walking back there. Like, the mall's not on that side. Nope. The stadium, the hotels, they're not on that side. So, like, I feel like it's the kind of thing where these two guys might have been like, hey, maybe they saw a, a Wizards of the Coast truck or something go by and 
thought, I wonder if there's something. But I can't imagine that it was just total opportunity. Mm-hmm. Like, I think they went back there to, with the intention to steal something. I don't know if they specifically went after magic or if it was just magic was the opportunity or it was the closest thing or if they were like, oh, there's some Pokemon cards here, but over there there's a, a pallet of magic. Or if it was the fact that it was still on a pallet and not just like a box of unmarked stuff. Uh, I don't know if they targeted magic, but they were definitely back there with the intention of taking something or getting up to no good. Okay. Us, do you think it was crime of opportunity or do you think it was planned? I think this was premeditated. Okay. Why? Because these two guys are both from New York, which means that they had to come into town for Gen Con. The way that they were walking around and the way that they were dressed, these are, they're nerds. There are people. Mm-hmm. They, they understand that there is scads of merchandise at the loading dock. So I would not be surprised if they've worked booths in the past and they got to talking with one another and thought, you know what, this would be so easy. And so they put this plan into place. They, they were in, they, they grabbed that pallet, they were out. Nobody saw them loading their vehicle. They were only caught on camera. That makes sense because they're not true Shadowrunners. They don't clock surveillance whenever they walk in like the rest of us in this chat do. Yeah. But they weren't accosted by security like at all. And even on camera, you can see they're not wearing any badge. There's nothing, nope. no exhibitor information or anything there. Nothing. So they were just, they were right in that, that they could just walk away with it. They just forgot that cameras are a thing. So they should have mm-hmm. wore a hat. Oh, don't and math. Wait, RC, opportunity or premeditated? Premeditated. No, I'm sorry, opportunity. I apologize. Opportunity. I was to everybody else. Opportunity. Yeah, this is this is the most like. I disagree. I'm a, I'm out here by myself. Well, I'm looking Bamp at the of Bamp said opportunity. Oh, I thought. Yeah, my bad. Well, oh, I think well, he it said was... he didn't quite know, but he thinks they were just there to steal something. In the so. pics I'm looking at, one has at least a lanyard on. And so here's what I think. He and it's the boy's lanyard, which was the official 2023 Gen Con uh, uh, lanyard deal, right? So he's mm-hmm. he had, he's a badge holder. So if yeah. you are going to do this as a as a run as a heist, <laughs> do not buy a fucking badge to the place you are going to rob. Uh, that's bad. So don't wear I, it. I <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and he's not wearing the badge. He had enough sense to take off the badge, at least from the pic that I can like halfway see. But he left the lanyard on. He just I think he just like unclipped the badge because that's like. I guess locate, but the reason it's dumb is, is it means you're almost certainly a badge holder and they can go through their demographic information, start getting on Facebook. I mean, it's $300,000. That's enough to like raise the eyebrows of investigatory services. They can start mm-hmm. looking for faces, people, names. And again, they didn't see the cameras. They, they owned badges. I think they were some low rent dudes who got hired to either work for wizards or wizard adjacent or some other, whatever the fuck it was, and they were back there. And they looked at each other and thought, boy, you know, those boxes are like $120 each. And there's like a whole pallet. Yeah, it is a pallet. Man, that's like a quarter million dollars. And if you look at it, the pallet isn't even full. Mm-mm. It's like a broke yeah. down. It's, it's like, like the, the, it's not a fully stacked, squared off pallet. It's clear that some boxes had been removed as, as and had been distributed somewhere, like probably for display you know this you know or whatever so you're stealing one pallet why not steal like two i mean they're walking through they're getting hit by cameras they bought badges they're there i think it was total opportunity 
which is a thing, which I, I shouldn't have done. I shouldn't say this, but I've, I've done that. There was a point in my life where I was with a friend and there was a very nice projector. <laughs> wow. At, at a, and we looked at each other and we were just in this room studying and we're like, man, that's a really cool projector. Wouldn't it be cool to have a projector instead of a TV and have movies and video games on it? And he was like, yeah. I was like, I wonder if it would fit in the satchel. I'm just curious if the dimensions of this would fit in my satchel. And it did fit in my satchel. And we fucking jacked that shit. Wow. <laughs> and then we freaked out. And I went full <laughs> crazy. And stuffed it in a plastic bag, which I wiped down with rubbing alcohol to remove every ounce of prints. And we like put it in the woods for like a week. <laughs> so we were like, if this gets traced to us, we're fucked. And like dumbasses, we went back to that place. And they were like, yeah, we don't allow anyone to study here anymore because we got robbed. I'm like, oh, that's fucking the world. You know, man, the world today, y'all. But so, yeah, it feels a lot like that. It feels like these two guys looked at each other, saw the dollar signs in each other's eyes, buttressed each other with a little confidence. And it was like, we could just roll the fuck out of here, man. Okay. And I think they did. I think they I think they snapped their badges off their lanyard. Mm -hmm. I think they wheeled it out to their truck. And I. I actually don't think they realized how much it was worth or how much wizards would say it was worth. I think that number is a little inflated to get like the FBI's attention so that well, they get more they help. Were, they were not regular magic cards. They were the commander decks, which tend to be a little more expensive. I, I still, I mean, I did some rough back of the envelope math and it was, it, it, it assumed a premium. We'll put it that way. But I don't think they may have realized, this is a, this is more speculation. I don't think they realized it would be that level of a number to where like they would very much be investigated. Because if you steal, let's say, $20,000 worth of shit and flee the state. I think that's a little harder. Like, you may be like, you're not going to get the creme de la creme of investigations. You're several states away. But yeah, I think that they thought that it would be harder to figure out who they were. I don't think they realized that people would just pull up a database and sit there for like eight hours a day plugging in names and Facebooks and contacts and be like, do you know who this was? Do you know who this was? Like, they, they, they probably like didn't understand that like Someone's going to go to that length. That was going to be multiple people investigating every single goddamn person who was there mm -hmm. and saying, "Do you know who this is?" And someone goes, "Oh yeah, that guy said his name was Jake." Boom, fucked. <laughs> you know. If they had walked by and taken a box each, something that's you know projector sized, they'd have never looked into it. But yeah. you went from misdemeanor to super felony. Yeah, so, yeah, the yeah. super felony is where you fucked up. So, you know, they're, they're not going to come get you in New York for, like, a box. <laughs> so here's, here's what I think. Uh, I don't quite know. If it was opportunity, my God, the stars aligned for them. Because they, they were able to get back there without the proper exhibitor badges. They were able to roll, a, roll out a pallet without anybody batting an eye. And they rolled it to a vehicle that was nearby. Which meant it was close to that loading area, which means how, like, how fortuitous. And they're from New York. Did they rent the car? Did they drive from New York? What vehicle was this? But if it was planned and they had a vehicle here, they were ready to go and do this. But if it was planned, why not wear a hat? Why not wear a mask where it would be perfectly understandable to do? It's Gen Con. I, do we have knowledge masks. that they weren't badged? That they, day. In, the, in the pictures I saw, they had nothing around their necks. I, I'm looking at a picture with a boy's lanyard around this guy's neck. Okay. 
But no, no I think badge the badge is it. well that because I think he had them sense not to wear a fucking name okay. yeah, <laughs> on his yeah. chest. But why not wear a mask? Because he's dumb. Because criminals are but stupid. He didn't realize. Well, obviously, like, he's <laughs> not a stupid criminal. He got away with three hundred thousand dollars in uh, cars. Uh, uh, Nobody's uh, found him he, yet. Well, we'll see. I I highly suspect that you could not change a thing about Gen Con. Not that they will. I think you oh, could not change a go. thing, and it would be fine because this guy is his life is done. Like he was a normal guy who had a whatever job, and now it's he's going guys. to federal. It's two guys. It's fine. two guys. Don't say one two guy. guys. It's two guys. Two guys had normal regular lives where they could like you know have a pot to piss in, and that's fucking done. They're about yeah. to be crucified. Yeah. They're they are fucking d o n e done. And that is going to. I mean, they're not. Do you really think these guys are going to be on the lamb? They're going to. They're going to go off grid, <laughs> like the national forest, and chill. They're nerds. Fuck no. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if somebody put them up to doing this. I don't know if they just did it for themselves. I don't know. I mean, where do you fence something like that? How are you going to unload these cards without it being you, suspicious? You, what are you going to do? You fence that at Gen Con. You go back to your hotel room, you crack packs. There are so many people around the exhibit hall that are just buying cards. Yeah, the but reason they're if, fucked is they probably threw away the commons. Sorry. If you have <laughs> them loaded in your truck, you're going to drive back to your hotel and you're going to start bringing in boxes? Don't no, you, you think the staff would go, that's an awful lot of boxes and we just heard about a theft? I mean, you go to an Airbnb. Mm-hmm. You know, or you go to a... You go to wherever you're staying, but you can yeah. move all of that product before the weekend is out easily. I, I think they're dumb criminals. I think it's like, oh, they got away oh. with it. No, they didn't. It's to, it's it's give, give the law a minute. Like, like anyone can steal anything. Anyone can week. steal anything. It's the getting away with it that's hard. That's the hard part of the run, and they are not going to get away with it. Indiana just doesn't want to send a bunch of state troopers to New York and deal with they're going to call this guy's parents and be like, look, this motherfucker has like a week and a half or two weeks before we start. Because they don't care. They'll, they'll get him eventually. States mm -hmm. are patient. They are patient actors. Mm -hmm. They'll go two, three, four, five, six weeks and just send a message out like, I mean, if you make us come up there, we're going to be pissed. So you might as well like call a lawyer, work it out and surrender, and we'll get you a plane ticket back in Indy. But if they make them – they, they with, within a month, that guy is going into a jail. And he will not be in, in, in under his own recognizance outside of bail for a long fucking time. Mm -hmm. hmm. Both of them. Both of them. I don't are know. Fucked. It's so like it. It. It was such an odd thing to happen. I've never heard of anything that big happening. I'm sure that theft has occurred at Gen Con. Sticky fingers. I. I get that. I know that happens. But something of this size was just, I've never heard of this happening. And I just don't understand. Either they're brilliant and they just made minor mistakes, so they're incredibly stupid, but had some lucky opportunities, some lucky, some luck with them. So one of the things that I was thinking about is there's a lot of companies that take volunteers to run events at Gen Con. Yes. And there's like nothing done to to investigate who these people are i looked into it a couple of years ago to to see what was available for like running shadow run games at the convention so i'm like oh what do they offer like free badge room hotel etc um 
But nowhere in that paperwork was anything like we're going to run a background check on you or stuff along those lines. Uh, there was the guys that we were sitting and having breakfast with the one day that run demo games. Like those are just, you know, four other randos. You know, I could see in the future at least some of the big, uh, the big publishers or the big IP owners requiring background checks for people that do this kind of stuff. That's because, you know, extra added expense. I don't know. Uh, yeah, but look at how much money Disney just made. Could you imagine honestly, if that was Disney product? I think the I. Th- I think the exhibitors are going to look at Gen Con. Gen Con is going to look at the ICC. And the ICC is going to be the one on the hook here. And the ICC, they're going to say, you know, it's going to be, you, we need more security. But what's the security going to do when you have thousands of random faces from all across the country that are here because as volunteers to work? On Wednesday, nobody should be in that area. Wednesday's unless the they have, Unless they have an exhibitor's badge. That's it. If you see somebody walking, that's what I don't understand. If you see anybody walking back there without a badge, why are you not stopping them and going, where's your badge? I think because he had a badge. Should you be back here? I think he had, that's why, I, 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 to me, this is I the security working. I want to see an exhibitor the badge. Guy, the guy had a, I'll bet you dollars to this guy had a badge. These, these guys, sorry. You think he had sorry. an exhibitor's badge? Yes. You think, think they I had think, exhibitors' badges? I think they had every right to be where they were. Wow! I, think, I, I don't think they violated any access areas. I think they were back there. I think they saw a pallet. I think they thought we'll just wheel this motherfucker out. We'll take our badges off our, our necks, and they didn't realize that like this would get this level of smoke. I think they thought it would be like, well, oh fuck, we got robbed and we're mad. Not like mm-hmm. the cops are coming and they're going to interview every motherfucker here until they find somebody who knows anything about us at all ever. Like they they severely underestimated the ability of like people have like a weird thing about cops with like it's, it's almost like object impermanence. They don't realize that like even though you got away with it or you think you did, there is an army of people who wake up and work eight hours a day to find out who the fuck you are. And it took them days. It took them under a week to find these two people, mm-hmm. and they got their names. Well, now I will be impressed if they, they haven't found them. Well, find their names. Maybe they cracked those packs, sold the rares, and like went to you know and like Googled you know non extradition countries, and they made a couple <laughs> hundred grand, fenced it out, and they flew the fuck out of Dodge, and they're gonna live on some Caribbean island somewhere. So, play magic. <laughs> yeah, playing magic with a bunch of commons. They play pauper now. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to see the screenplay adapted from this crime. I I just oh. can't help but think that if they had any more thought. They wouldn't have worn the lanyard. They would have changed clothes. They, they like, like something has got to be different, than, or, or done it pa- box by box. But ju- they just ca- there's multiple pictures of them throughout mm-hmm. the ICC, yeah. walking this thing out, yeah. in without obscured faces. I, I really do think they looked at each other and went, "We just roll this motherfucker out of here." Maybe they thought about it for like a day. I, I, like to me, they saw it at 8 a.m., had lunch, steeled their courage, went back and did it. I, I think from like. Yeah. The germ, the germ to execution was under 24 hours. Huh. All right. Well, we will wait and see what happens with this. And obviously, once this whole thing, uh, you know, once they get caught and all that, we'll we'll probably do another discussion on it. But let's. Uh, I got I got an antidote real quick. Oh, okay. So people overvalue how effective and forthcoming security guards are. For the past couple of years, I have worked in the healthcare field in the kitchens. 
uh, of three different hospitals. So one time when I had just started at a new hospital, same account, different uh, different location, my uniforms were completely different than everybody else that worked there, different colors, different cut. Um, and I didn't have a badge. And one day I'm coming into work. I walk in through the back door that's through the loading dock. Coming out the door is a security guard, and we just walk past each other. I have no ID. I don't have the right uniform. It's 5 o'clock in the morning. This door isn't even locked. I don't need to put a code in or anything to get in. And he says, nothing to me, and nothing ever happens. So security guards are really just for show. Like, they don't actually do anything. All right, so remember that, all you Shadowrun DMs out there. Oh, believe me, I remember it. <laughs> all the time. Security all the time. guards are not going to be that strict. They're going to be lackadaisical. They're, they are uh, legally obligated, or at least obligated by their employer, uh, to not confront. They're, they're supposed to call it in. They are theater. They know they are theater. Hmm. Yeah, it's like the saying that locks only keep honest people out. Mm-hmm. Because if I'm going to try, if I intend to steal something, you having a padlock on your garage or shed out in your backyard isn't going to stop me. And we'll be, oh, fuck, there's a lock. I guess I'll just go home and be an honest person. No, I'm going to take out my bolt cutters. I'm going to snap that shit and I'm going to take your huh. lawnmower or whatever. This cheeky on. motherfucker co- co- walking around with bolt cutters. It's yeah, walking. Who walks around with bolt cutters? I'm sorry. I I would take two wrenches and just break that shit. Lock picking while you're there. There we go. Perfect. <laughs> huh. So it'll be it'll be an interesting Gen Con next year to see how security changes. That'll that'll be good. And if they do impose a background check for volunteers, which I doubt. Um. But let's get let's get to actual like our part of Gen Con because we weren't part of this crime. As as much as much fun as it would have been, we were not. <laughs> We'd have done a better job. Would have worn a mask and a hat. Would have worn a mask and a hat. Where were we? <laughs> Cameras caught a heavy set gentleman wearing a top hat and a steampunk mask wheeling out a pallet of. <laughs> <laughs> and then I vanished. Like stay. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, uh, events. I had uh, one, two, three, four. I had four events. One cotton picked out for me. Uh, one Bamps uh got for me. Uh, and then the other two I just didn't go to. Which is what you can do when you buy events at Gen Con. You have every right to skip your event. Uh. But I did go to the one Cotton got for me. Cotton, do you want to tell everybody what it was you got for me? Yes, it was like it was a it was a Cthulhu cur- a Curse of the Tentacles game or something. I don't mm-hmm. know if it was Call of Cthulhu specifically. No, I think it yeah, was, it was. It was a made uh, RPG system called RP Express, and it is. And I'm going to put a link with the episode when it drops, so everybody can see it. But I'll drop it in chat right now for those of you that are listening live um 
I was trying to find you something to do, and first I googled like Cthulhu, and it was a bunch of uh, like Call of Cthulhu games, and I typed in Tentacle and realized maybe I fucked up. But no, it was fine. We found some good stuff. No, I I enjoyed this one immensely. Uh, it was created uh, by Etherfly Games. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly. Uh, and it's a very, very, very almost non-existent crunch game. It relies very much on RP. It wants you to tell a story in RP. It wants you to focus on that. So it's really like diminished the, the crunch involved in it, which I loved. It was easy to do. And uh, it was fun. The, the guy who created the system was the one running the game, Gary Lang. Uh, I had a great table. I had Oz with me just watching. He wasn't playing. He was just watching. I got to play basically Alan Quartermain, which if you know him, the great big game hunter in Africa and that. Uh, it was kind of very much League of Extraordinary Gentlemen kind of a feel. And we did go to, you know, get some cultists and there were tentacles. So promised. I mean, so that was good. All, all that shit you just mentioned. And I mean, yeah. all of it is exactly why I selected that for you. <laughs> you knew it was a, a very crunchless game. I mean, it had expressed the name. It stands to reason. Wow. Okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. But us, given where he was sitting, was privy to some things that I was not privy to as a player. He could see behind the DM screen, and he saw some secrets. And he is going to now tell me because he would not tell me until we recorded, so I could be surprised. Correct. Okay. So I will I will go ahead and and lay out the quick scenario. Is this okay. table was tasked by the the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen? Um, they'd gotten a telegram that was cut off and meant uh, telecommunication that some uh, blood moon ritual shit was going down in New Orleans, and they had to figure out who done it and stop them before this this whole thing. And so. They get down there, and they're investigating the crime scene, and they find at the telegraph table there are two chopsticks that have been broken in half and placed in a row. This is very important, but nobody at this table, including me, knows why. So there's tangents that, that everybody goes off on, but it turns out that there's a list of three villains and one of the villains on this list is responsible for this. And it turns out that these four wooden sticks in a line means it is a wooden row or a wood row. One of the villains was Woodrow Marsh. He was a cultist. He was trying to bring the old ones back through rituals. So the team goes to this mansion in the swamp and they interrupt this ritual it was a a just a great bit of shadow running. Um, the 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 guy running it did did not expect how that whole thing went down. Uh, but they they save a girl who's about to be sacrificed. They save the people who got kidnapped. They recover the artifact and they're running back to the airship. And this big old tentacle comes out of the swamps, just starts walloping on everyone. Now, what I saw and what they didn't see because they accomplished the mission, they got the fuck out before anything else happened because only bad people died. 
is that he had a picture of the entity that that tentacle belonged to. <gasps> and it was Cthulhu. <gasps> Cthulhu was going to rise up out of that swamp if you destroyed the relic or the ritual went off and he was going to eat the world. And wow. it was a well done picture, too. It was very nice. Cotton, you hear that? Cthulhu's in Louisiana. Right. <laughs> We're probably not running for office. <laughs> uh, it was it was great. Uh, the other players. Uh, so we had I had a one person next to me. They were playing Annie Oakley, another person playing Sherlock Holmes, and another person playing basically Nikola Tesla. Uh, but the names were all altered just a little bit. Like mine was Adam Quartermain, not Alan Quartermain. I don't know who we thought was going to come get him for the copyright infringement, but whatever. Um, but yes, I don't think the GM was prepared for the shenanigans we would do. Because I don't think anybody saw Sherlock Holmes doing a bump of coke. <laughs> and then tackling <laughs> somebody. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sh- Sherlock Holmes literally just like reached in his jacket, got a light on his finger, snorted that bump, and then just like did the Popeye theme and ran into this house up to the second floor and just judo chopped this sniper out of the window and then grabbed a rifle and realized they could not shoot. And so they ran. They ran away. Doesn't that just make him more lore accurate? It was a hundred percent lore accurate. It was fantastic. So wait, where did he get the coat? If this this GM was, I'm always like, I'm always putting a little little weird that by this. It was, it was a part of his character. Uh, there was a like, a like a bane almost on every character, and his was he had a coke problem. Yeah, which meant he had coke on him. On him, and he only took it in certain situations, and in that situation was one of the times he would. And he, that player said, "I'm I'm I'm going to use it. I'm going to do a bump of coke." And we're like, "All right, <laughs> go." I'm over nice. here with a, a, a an elephant gun. Just I just I just want to shoot. <laughs> right. I mean, in the beginning, I told them from the beginning, I will murder hobo this table. I I will kill. <laughs> with so an elephant I gun, need you, you got guys. two shots. So. Yeah, I got two shots. So I told them, I said, if you don't want me to shoot, I need you guys to take control and like investigate and do things. Then because all I could do is boomstick. So, and I, I just, I was honest with them. I said, I am a murder hobo. Yeah. And specifically, <laughs> the, the Quartermain's weakness was actually wanderlust. So they got really sad if they sat yeah. in one place. They had to live a hobo's lifestyle and shoot things with the elephant gun. <laughs> You've got one trick, but God damn it, it's not a good trick. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> I did good. Uh, did it, was, good. It, it was a I enjoyed the system so much that I actually did drop the seven bucks on drive through RPG for it. <laughs> I, just love that. I like, didn't pirate seven it. Seven whole dollars. It. I bought it. I could have pirated it, but I bought it. Wow. Look at me. Yeah. I supported it. I thought it was great. He gave me a good time. I had loads of fun. And thank you, Cotton, for making a solid pick. You're welcome. I'm glad that I provided that. It's a whole mm-hmm. system you may like. I know that you don't like crunchy shit. I did see it mm-hmm. was RP Express. I did not know. I, I still don't know who Alex Quartermain or Half Main or Full Main fucking are. But um, 
I'm glad you had a great time, and the system sounds cool, and I know that you like Cthulhu because it's not a very crunchy system, really. Uh, mm-hmm. The character sheet's intimidating to look at, but mm-hmm. it's not crunchy. Um, uh, so yeah, it's less I, crunchy than Cthulhu. I, I do remember RP Express. It had to declare the name, and I'm kind of like, "Fuck it, that sounds good." <laughs> Is it one o'clock <laughs> on a Friday? That's kind of the, <laughs> the 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 slot I'm trying to fill. So uh, awesome! You had a great time. I'm, I'm super stoked. And and yeah. will, will, now, will you ever? want to run this game or have this game played for you i mean i think you know. i would like to run it i think it would be something like fun to do because i it can go in any setting i can you could do it with anything you agree Oz? because you were there watching yeah it. it's i mean yeah. i could slap it anywhere yeah he you know he was using league of extraordinary gentlemen because that's what he was into he even said that he had a couple of extra chapters of this whole thing because i apparently was going on a Holmes Coke fueled uh investigation session just all by my lonesome because I had a couple of beers with or I had a beer and a uh horseradish vodka shot before <laughs> that game. So I was in rare form. And I'm like, oh yeah, so this is you know they're chopsticks, so clearly you know they're being held in Chinatown, and uh, relics from Chinatown are traditionally made of jade. So you're looking for a jade figure, perhaps a Buddha or a dragon, in Chinatown in New Orleans. Wow, you are you are definitely in that alcohol sweet spot. I know, oh my I know God, it was so good. Well, you you go from like kind of talkative to like full on to kind of, like you never get silent. But there is a certain point where you are very much holding court. Right. <laughs> that, now, you aren't in this game, correct? You're not actually in the game. Correct. But you, that takes balls to be like, I know I'm not even fucking playing this thing. <laughs> and I can see the GM screen, which is kind of bullshit. Here's some, here's some suggestions to the crowd. <laughs> I don't doubt they were good. Yeah. No, we were all like, is there a Chinatown in New Orleans? No. Uh, we we wanted to open a restaurant called Broken Chopstick. I yes. remember that. Yes, I said we're looking for a restaurant called the Broken, Broken Chopstick. Chopstick. Most of the immigrants in New Orleans who are from Asia are from Vietnam, where uh, they do shrimp boating, just like they would in their home country. Yeah. There you go, shrimp boating. <laughs> so, um, oh, it just flew out of my head. Oh, we had, uh, I mean, because he's like, the clue is in the chopsticks. The clue is in the, because we weren't getting it. And we saw that, like, one chopstick had two ha- slash marks on it, and then the next one didn't have any. And then the next one had two, and then the next one didn't have any. So somebody called that 2020 One of the villains was from the future. So oh, God. So thought it was that one. Why was he and throwing this, you bad, yeah, bad hints? Yeah. He wasn't throwing us bad hints. I thought to it was because they're they're wood. wood. So what does yeah? So what does it's the what are, what are the notches involved? Nothing. So right. the players <laughs> the players were doing this. We were trying to figure it out, and so we went through all these harebrained theories from finding a restaurant called the Broken Chopstick in Chinatown, it to oh it's. Uh, it's the guy from the future. It's 2020. That's what the person was telling us. And then finally, the GM's like, guys, look at what they are. And they're in a row. And like, look at the villains. And it was like so simple to him. It was so simple. Wood row. That's like, bad GMing. Ah, That's so oh, bad. I wanted you a great time. No. But having to say they're in a row, look at the villains with row. 
Like, <laughs> god damn, puzzles. that's a little... Puzzles yeah, puzzle are bad. hard, and if you don't, like, your players have a hard time figuring it out, you have to help them. That's Otherwise, like, they'll go on the tangent. Babs, back me up here. This is the one, like, one of the first things I would tell a GM in the first five minutes of how to be a GM is, do not lock the game behind the puzzle. Lock optional things, if anything, behind the puzzle. Write puzzles, don't write the answers. Puzzles always seem super simple to the person who made them. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. As we we see exactly here. Like, mm-hmm. uh, obviously, it's wood in a row, but they were chopsticks. He could have just had, like, you know, firewood or something that. Mm. Yeah, it's a pretty obscure clue. Wood. I don't know. I was okay with it because we all felt like, oh, it was obvious. Oh, we were stupid. Um, but also, I mean, this is a um, a two-hour event, right? Or three hours? Yeah, it was it was uh, two hours. It was from one to three. Two-hour event. And it, I mean, it's a con. It's you know, you have to jump right in. You have to start play. I mean. I'm going to be a little forgiving on a GM on a con situation. I had fun. I thought it was great. I didn't have a problem with it. And nobody can convince me that that man did a bad job. Fair, fair enough. Awesome. So, okay. do you want to uh, talk about my event? Or, or, or no. is there more info? No. Fuck my event. <laughs> <laughs> no. Talk about tentacles. Yeah, I purchased more. Tentacles. Oh, yeah. <laughs> No, no, no. Let's talk about your event. <laughs> so, so my event was how to be a pro GM. You know, so I was like, okay, this is the first Hence thing all that I've... GM uh, criticisms over here. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I went there and I found out why your thing was bad. So, uh, <laughs> so I go to this thing, and so first I'm, I, I'm, I'm there up against the clock. It's in the hotel room when my other event was not, and so I'm like huffing it over there. And uh, the conference room is like, I mean, packed. And I'm like, oh, it's like I'm here five minutes early. I, I was actually like nine minutes early. And so I, I remember looking at my watch, and I was like, okay, I guess we're finishing up some shit. And it kept going, and there was no crowd. And I'm like, this is weird shit. I saw a guy like come up, nose around, and he just went in and sat down. I'm like, the fuck? I go in there, and then the guy is just going. So the, the dude started at least ten minutes early to a packed house, okay? And I was, so I, I just like found a seat. And I was like, what the fuck? This guy must be uh, in demand. So as he's talking, he mentions his website, like startplaying.com. Uh, I think he had .net, but he, as he would mention, he bought the .com from like Microsoft because they bought it for like their Xbox days. So he finally got big enough to like make them cough up a .com, you know, you know get them on the phone. Anyway, so I'm like, what the fuck is Start Playing? This guy is the CEO of this website. He runs a website where people become paid GMs or where players go to find professionally run online games. And he's the guy. And they're like, we didn't even think you would be here. We thought it would be like somebody who worked for you. And he was like, oh, shucks. No, I just like, you know, I'm mad at the people. I'm like, who the fuck are you? <laughs> so I think I'm like the only person who had no clue what the fuck startplaying.com was or who the fuck this guy was. So uh, when we're learning about how to be a pro GM, Mostly in an online way, and a lot of it's it, it's some barely you know some some basic stuff, um, but there was some super interesting aspects of it, especially backed it with data because he has access to that data. Okay, so a lot of it was things like what do people want? 
Uh, do you think most people would want campaigns or one shots? We'll, we'll go around the, the, the thing. Jupiter, what do you think? Uh, I think you told me this, but I'm going to go campaigns. Okay. Bam. I'll go campaigns. All right, Bams. One shots. One, it's campaigns by 70 to 30%. Hmm. And the fact he had that number impressed me. Okay, so you have, you're not just running a service, you are harnessing data to be able to go and project things in the future as far as what people want. It's kind of like, you know, it's, it's, a, it's not, the, not quite Netflix, but that's what Netflix did. Netflix's whole like DVD thing was not just we rent DVDs, it's we find out what people like. We want the data. That's what we really want. We want to know what people like, and that way we know what shows to make. So did his data come just from his business, or does he have industry data elsewhere that he's getting this? It was just his business, but there's enough just games there apparently to like present info. So that was one thing. He talked about uh, like trigger warnings. So on the site, when you make a game, you can put whatever trigger warnings you want. He said the number one mistake that people make on trigger warnings is too many goddamn trigger warnings. He didn't say goddamn. <laughs> that's me. Uh, <laughs> uh, because people think, well, it's a free-form game. So there might be this, this, and this. And they essentially checkmark anything that they would be willing to have in the game should it come up. And that was freaking people out. Because, like, oh, my God. Violence against animals. Violence against children. Assault. Uh, like, oh, this is... <laughs> There's a lot going on in this game. You're like, just just check the things you know will be there. And if things happen, then you work that out between you and your players in the moment and whatnot. Now, he didn't say this part. What I would say, I would say if it happens, you have the X card situation where people are able to say, I don't like this topic. Can we, can we go around this? Or you may bring it up beforehand or whatever. But the point is, don't check all the boxes. Uh, he said the most common turnoffs were violence against animals, violence against children. You check those boxes. Your game is, is, is far less likely to be attended. Uh, average pay was around $18 uh, per person per chair, which I think worked out to about $18 an hour, and that's game time. Uh, he did mention some people made a lot of money on it. What was confusing to me was I asked the guy straight out. My one question was, where is the money? Okay, I know D&D is the most consumed product. I also know it is the most provided product. Is there some niche? Is there like, where are the deep pockets at? Is it Shadowrun? Is it Call of Cthulhu? Is it some weird ass shit that like only rich people like? I don't know, but just tell me what the fuck the money is. So, because that's what I care about, frankly. I want to know where that is. Where is it viable? You know, I'm a farmer. I, I want to grow whatever is the most expensive thing my, my land will grow. And he said, you need to GM the thing that you love the most. I'm like, what a fucking... Pat answer. So immediately, my the first thought answer. was, yeah. I was like, what, what, what kind of horse is this? My first thought admittedly was like, oh, it's probably some weird, like, fetish shit, right? It's probably like weird, furry, RP fetish shit. Because he mentioned someone was getting like 200 bucks a table. Like, like per slot. I'm sorry, per slot. I'm like, god damn. Like, what is this person doing to get $200? Like, is it, is it, like, what, what are they, and also I think in that question asked, like, where, where is the value added coming from? Is there, are there things like art assets in your online game? Is it what virtual tabletop you choose? Is it acting through like, like the voices or whatever? And none of that was really, yeah, he goes, those things are there. They're not a huge deal. Uh, people don't really uh, go for that. What they seem to go for, according to him, was you establish yourself as a GM. You bring in some ringers to your first game. When you sign up with us, 
get some good reviews from those people. Get some good reviews from the people who are not ringers, right? Get yourself kind of like going in there, and then you establish a clientele, and then you start raising the price over time. Like over time, as you have a full table and it's stable, you crank the price up, and then people come and go, come and go. And as long as your table's full and you have that rep, frankly, the price is self-reinforcing. If you see something that's expensive, you inherently think it's worth something, and that's just true. Now, if you see like a knife or a, a car or anything for sale for a high price, there is immediate thought of, well, it must be worth that. It must be better because it's, it's more expensive. The Remy Martin school of GMing. Yeah, it's there you go. It works. It works. Uh, he did say, do not give away free games outside of like your ringers who are going to make a very positive experience for like cheap customers. Like you want people to pay. Fundamentally, because the conversion rate is 11% from free player to paid. And I thought that was an eye-opening statistic that he had. 11% of people that you give a free game. Because your idea is, I'll give it away free. People realize I'm great. They'll get that free taste. It's a common marketing ploy. Here's a sample, right? In D&D, those people are just takers. They're not here. They're, they're not here to pay for the game. In some fields, in some areas, in some markets, you can give it. You can give a sample away for free, and the people who are exposed to that area will sort of like become, they will take it up. They will convert to paying customers. But there is sort of a weird like bifurcated wall. The people who were seeking out free games, there's a shit ton of them, and about nine in ten are are not interested in paying. They just want the free. They have no intention and will not ever convert to pay. So don't do it. Do not give away free games, again, outside of your own personal ringers who are going to make a paid game look good. You are not going to convert people to paying customers by giving it away free. You have to come in and and you know have a price of something and raise it over time. Uh, I, I, I went on their website. When I got back, I went on their website and like did searches based on price. Did not find jack shit. Above 150 table, there was a few things at $50 a person, but they were solo games, so it makes sense that it's a higher cost because it's all about you, and they don't have anybody else to help make that price go higher. It was either, like there was a there was a duet as well, it was solo, solo, solo. It was like one guy with like 12 advertised games of like a solo game, and then like somebody else with a duet. The people who were the premium again that showed up in the searches I was running. Maybe there's some you know like like when you go to the fireworks stand and it's like show me the Mexican fireworks. <laughs> I don't know if that's a part of their site, like the weird shit. But uh, the only people who were higher than that was Bunny Boy from Reddit, who does like D and D memes and therefore has like a brand. Mm-hmm. That person was running games, and they were like a buck fifty. It was like uh, what was it like hundred bucks per person per game. And then there was a uh, a lady I don't know who was a who's like a German journalist, and hers were like the same price. She's not very related to games. I don't know what the fuck that deal is, but apparently she's a journalist. She runs D and D, and she's famous enough in Germany to like make you pay money. I don't know. What do you mean she's not related to games? She's it, she might be a gamer. She might be a good. GM. I, I I googled her. It, I, I was expecting like a games journalist, somebody who worked in like oh. the German game sphere, right? Like like the, that that guy wasn't just a Reddit person. He was a D and D Reddit person. 
Mm-hmm. This person is just but like, I'm sure like, he like has a job Barbara Walters is running. Well, yeah, yeah, but like if it was like Dan Rather is running a D and D game, you'd be yeah. like, that's fucking weird. <laughs> you know, you wouldn't think that's a normal thing that he would do for money. <laughs> huh. All right. <laughs> okay. But uh, uh, you it, and it, I did theorize that if you were willing to do erotic role play games, you'd make more money, right? I, I would think is, so. They didn't right? seem to offer it. Maybe that's the niche that's maybe that's the four hundred dollar game session. I don't know. Maybe they don't want to like say it because, you know, eh, there was some talk about Look, uh, there was a whole industry about erotic phone calls that charged you by minute. Guarantee, it's called the nineties, right? <laughs> yeah. Guarantee that shit exists. Like instead of only fans, it's only adventurers or something. Only yeah. loots. <laughs> So, um, oh, there, my brain went blank. Sorry, I lost my. Oh yeah, there was some discussion in there about like time. If you want to do this professionally, like really make it, you need to be professional. Always show up. You have to know how to wrangle people, and uh, you have to consider like the time zones. So everybody wants to play usually on like Friday night, Saturday night, and and then the occasional like weekday night. So you can probably get several games going. Cool. Then you have the European market. They have different hours. So you can get that game going in like the afternoon or something as opposed to at night. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to run a shit ton of games. That's just the math. They didn't say it that way, but, you know, I can do math. Uh, <laughs> and the other suggestion the guy had was run a system you love, which, okay, I thought was a pat answer, but sure. And run a specific module. Become uh, focused on something. Uh, he didn't say it's super hard line, but that seemed to be the vibe he was going at. Is you have people who just run Curse of Stride, right? Like if I was running one, I would choose Team of Annihilation. It's the only module I've run. I've been involved in it for over a year. I have read the shit out of that book. So you get really, really good at it. Not only do you know everything back and forward, it becomes second nature. You can, when you have to riff, you know where to riff to, where to riff from, where to go back to, how to tie that together properly because it's all familiar to you. And that makes sense. Specialization is a thing. If you know the shit out of Tomb of Annihilation, you are going to run it very well if you just keep doing that over and over and over. Does that excite you as a GM? Maybe. As you achieve mastery, maybe not because you crave novelty. I don't know. But that did make sense to me to specialize and be like, I am the Curse of Stride guy. right? I am the Tomb of Annihilation guy. If you want this... It's me. I'm the best at this thing you want. And that would appeal to me as like a player. If I was shopping for a game, I don't want the guy who's B tier at everything. I want the A tier Curse of Strahd guy for the Curse of Strahd game. Mm-hmm. Okay. Interesting. Were, was there any takeaways from it that, because I know you just ran that camp thing with the kids. You had a lot of fun with that. And then you went to this uh, seminar thing. Is there any takeaways from this that maybe, I don't know, like, like I don't know, anything from it that you'll use that might change your mind about trying to do it for money? What? Anything? N- not particularly because. Mm-hmm. Be- beyond The knowledge is interesting. But I've learned some of the basics from having done it, and his was not he, – he really didn't. To his credit, I made fun of – to Jupiter, to you, I made fun of him a little bit because it felt like a, a sales session for startplaying.com. It was it, – it, 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 like, he didn't even like skin our tickets. I don't think he cared. This was a 
part of his business. This is part of his brand. And he was very clearly on point, on message, on brand. He talked about brand a lot, social marketing a lot. And if I can take away anything, it's that I don't want it bad enough. You know, I, I have I have seen streamer. Like my favorite streamer is CGB, Covert Go Blue. He does magic. And he is very open and honest about what it takes to be a successful streamer. And he did it. It was like, I'm going to do these. I'm going to put out a, I'm going to put out a video every single day. And he did that for a thousand days. That's three. Like, and, and actually further, for like two, three quarter years, he released a video every fucking day. That required so much effort. And he's doing other stuff to promote. He goes to shows. He's on. Uh, he, he'll make a, a YouTube short every once in a while. He was kind of getting into that. He's going into Twitch. This guy, uh, I mean, his conference thing, he's talking about going on TikTok. He said, you know, you know where I see the most growth? The most growth is on YouTube. My point is not that YouTube is great. It's that he gives a shit. He's like, where's my, where's my growth at? How do I increase my brand? Where is the mm-hmm. presence? Where are the demographics that I want? Facebook is dead. It's passe old hat. So. Those things make me fucking rankle. I hate all of those words. I hate I hate them so much. I don't want to work that hard and be that on and be that plugged in and be that parasocial. I do not want this thing. Okay. <laughs> so Good. there you go. That, right. You need to be on TikTok making funny D&D reactions or on YouTube shorts where the growth is happening and streaming on YouTube. And you need to be on Twitter. I mean, X reacting to every fucking thing and having an opinion and constantly promoting your brand. And it, like it, it's, it's, it's so much marketing. Personally, I'm not doing the online space. I am doing it locally. I am in a market where there is, where there are people who want to play and not a lot of GMs. It's, it's weirdly like kind of works that way that it's such a janked market. I have people who want in my game left and right. I, I, just the other day, somebody wants to be in my game, and I feel like I have to just turn them down because of various reasons. But um, I've had two people in the past like month. I've had two adults want in my game because they heard I ran one, and I don't charge anybody, but I charge those kids. One of them was like his, uh, the dad, but like I did it for money for those kids. It's local. It was in person. That's not what that guy was really talking about. He was talking about more of a digital online space. Yeah. More opportunity online than just local. I mean, if you're in a little hub where you can be the, you know, premier GM, if you want to play, you got to go to Cotton. You can yeah, start charging them. <laughs> there's there's not a lot of people. It's just not a lot of people <laughs> running the game down here. Uh, yeah. And and because there's not a lot of people running the game, there's it's GM sort of inspire other GMs. Like I have one, maybe two players thinking about GMing. That's because they're in this game. It's such a thin area. Uh, that there's not a lot of GMs teaching GMs to be GMs. That makes sense. There's just not a big sphere of that. I feel like in a bigger city, you'd have enough GM. If you want, if you were even thinking about being a GM, you could go find like a dozen people who would like encourage you and help you and support you. And here, there's like nothing to be a GM. You, you just gotta go fucking do it and go and go cold, which kind of yeah. is scary as shit as someone who's done that. Um, so, yeah, his was more of an online space, and it, it wasn't, like, purposely trying to lean into his company, but it was from that perspective. Most of the people there, it was assumed – it felt like it was assumed that this was the startplaying.com seminar on how to make it work. Like, it felt like it was from the perspective of his company. He didn't lean into that really, like, you know, scummy way, you know? Like, it, it didn't feel like one of those – like, you get, like, a free three-day cruise if you hear me talk about my timeshare. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> but uh, it was the people were coming a lot. The, the majority of the people there were coming from that specific perspective because of his specific site and trying to make it work online. 
if you want to do it in real life, I think you just hang a shingle out. I think you can get on Facebook. I think you can find some local circles. You'll have players. Having to find some people to pay, maybe it's smart to do it for children. Those parents paid. I, I think paying for it is a is a pride hit for a lot of people that wasn't addressed. I didn't know how to ask that question. And online, there's a lot more anonymity. Mm-hmm. I think that for a lot of people, there's almost like a weird shame in paying for this service. Really? It's like, yeah, I do. I think it's it's like, because there's so many G, like traditionally D, GMing is a free thing. And you're like a player in the game. And the most you get is sort of like free food, which isn't just as, it, it's kind of like a date. It's like, oh, do you, would you think anything of taking somebody out on a date and paying like 50, 60 bucks? And you'd be like, no, that's that's just how dating works. You take somebody out and you pay for their dinner. And then you ask, well, what if you just gave them $150? Whoa, whoa, that's uh, I would never do that. I don't have to pay for it. It's like, well, you kind of are. That's 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 controversial. I think people don't want to pay for GMing in a very similar sense. It's like I shouldn't have to pay for that. I should be able to be a friend or or like you wouldn't rent a friend. All right, I'm going to bring you back around because we're talking Sorry. about Gen Con and you have rambled Gen Con. for I've minutes. rambled for oh, way too long. I'm bring going to now not let you talk. Go cool. fix your snack. Uh, <laughs> Bamps, uh, you did True Dungeon this year, correct? Yes. How was that? Uh, it was it was great. It was True Dungeon. Uh, Susie what enjoyed it. What was the story? Uh, it was a, what they call a blind starter dungeon which means that you have your group of people. And for this thing, uh, I was with a group of people that all knew each other, and I knew one of the people in it, and they had two spots, which is how we got tickets, because True Dungeon sells out instantaneously. Mm-hmm. So the setup is you get a little pack of, I believe, like 10 or so tokens that are like poker chip size. They're randomly assorted. They're sealed up in a little baggie. Uh, you sit in a little prep room. You crack open your tokens and you find out what uh, what you pulled out of it. From there, since this was like a, a starter intro dungeon, there was only four rooms. The first room was it had a big table, and the storyline was that you guys are coming into this island, search for some treasure, stuff like that. Uh, I don't remember the name of the actual thing, but it was I think it was like the search for Barbie Beard's treasure, something. So the big table in the first room was a puzzle. There was a boat that had magnets underneath the table, and all around it, I want to say there was like 12 ropes. And as you pulled on the rope, it would pull the magnet under the table to move the boat around, and you had to get it around all of these mines. And if you hit mines, you took damage, etc., etc. We got through pretty easily. I, I say pretty easily in that we took less than the average damage per group that comes through it. Uh, the second... The second room was a fight against a big animatronic ogre, which was kind of cool. It was a, a reused animatronic because I had seen it before. They brought out the shuffleboard. You began sliding things. You got in a big fight. They, they've they got to grossly inflate the amount of damage that these things can take because it's one of those things of like, in order to get through the room in, say, 12 minutes, 15 minutes, whatever the time limit is, You've got to be able to go quickly, which means you can't really fight against multiple enemies. Mm-hmm. So they got to take the hit points on the bad guy and crank it way up to get two or three rounds out of it. Mm-hmm. Killed him, went into the next room, which was a puzzle room. 
where there was like the storyline is like we snuck in from the boat because we didn't want to pay the ridiculous taxes to get past all the mines. Uh, this brought us into like a cave entrance that brought us up into the sewers, which is where the guy was sleeping. And then we went through a, a portion of the sewers that went into the basement of an inn. And the uh, the innkeeper lady, she heard the no- noise from the fight, came down and was like, what's going on? Found us. And then it was a uh, puzzle room where there was a couple of the word um there's a couple of props on the one table and then there were i want to say like 15 barrels into the wall that had different uh different images on the side of them and we had to figure out what the saying was to figure out which props to manipulate and it was uh there was a picture of waves and we had to figure out what that meant uh which turned out to be representative of the word sea there was a picture of a guy coughing, but it wasn't coughing like heh heh, it was coughing like coffin. Because mm-hmm. he was coffin. So there was like a one of the props was a little coffin shaped box. The first one was like blood and then red. Uh, there was a bunch of them, so I don't remember what they all were. But you know, you you figure out what the words mean, so we had some people that were and just kind of shouting it out working it through, and then we were switching with some of the people that were wrestling with the props. Get into the last room, and then there was a treasure chest. It's like, ah, you know, the GM's like, you found the treasure, but who will open the treasure? And I'm like, well, I'm the barbarian with 36 HPs, so I'm gonna just smash my face into it because I have a lot of (laughs) HPs. Mm -hmm. If you're worried about traps, you got two options, the barbarian or the paladin. Mm Mm-hmm. Because, like, in D&D, after, like, level 6, Paladins get ridiculous bonus to saving throws anyway, and are immune to poison and disease effectively. So you just, like, face roll traps. It doesn't matter. Finding the treasure, pulled out a table, monster attacks, fight the monster, success! Uh, Because you survived, you got a little pin that said, you know, I survived the adventure, and they had a treasure box at the end that has a, a stick with, like, a magnet on it, I guess where you, you rummage it around in a box of chips and you get to pull out, uh, you get three pulls from that that have extra tokens of stuff that you win. You get to keep all your gear. Um, you get a special token that's like the success token, the, the prize just for completing the adventure. You get some XP that you can add to your online account. And then that's that's kind of it, because it was an intro adventure. The The normal adventures, the normal blind adventures, I think are usually seven to eight rooms. They're a little bit more money. They take a little bit longer, obviously. Um, And then they have the, I think they call them open rooms because you get to keep these, these tokens and you can buy more packs of them. Or there are people in the vendor hall that have the, the tokens just for sale that you can come into them like fully kitted out. They're, uh, their paper doll for the character sheet is like helmet, torso, rings, wrist, feet, legs. Uh, you can have four like ion stone kind of things that are just like miscellaneous magic items that boost you. You could have a bunch of consumables that you actually like hand over the tokens for them to use. Whereas since this was an intro adventure, we didn't take a lot of damage again, intro, but we only had like I had a weapon, I had a helmet, a breastplate. And I think pants. And that's it. 
<laughs> uh, Susie had two weapons because she was playing a ranger. So her special thing is for the combat, you wrote, you slid these pucks down onto the silhouette of the monster. Uh, as a ranger, she got to slide two at once, where uh, the monk's special rule is they can slide one, and then while that first one is sliding, they can slide a second one. Everybody else only gets one slide. Cool. Uh, I would love to do it as like a whole podcast group thing, but mm-hmm. it's it's expensive, and it is the kind of thing that sells out very quickly. Yeah. Like I had, it, we would have to sit down and be like, "All right, who is all going? Which time do we want to go?" We would have to all put it in our wish list and all put it as like the Top one that priority. starts at one o two, the one that starts at one twelve, the one that starts at one, and, and try to to hit something. Huh. That was the big thing that I got to do this year that I was really excited about. That's good. Did you have any other events that you? Uh, we had the walking tour, which was mm-hmm. it was a walking ghost tour, and I found out that there's a lot of people that jumped off of high buildings in Indy. Yeah, yeah. Which <laughs> all it's right. not really a ghost or haunted tour. It's just a hey, let's go see places where people died. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, because I'm a terrible person. We go to the first stop, which is the the hotel that was a rail station. Mm-hmm. And the guy is talking, and somebody who is cosplaying Pee Wee Herman walks by. And I rudely interrupt the presenter, and I say, I just saw a ghost pointing to the guy that was cosplaying Pee Wee Herman. <laughs> because I am, I am a bad person. You are a bad person. Yeah. Gotta get your joke in though. Yeah, I, people people laughed, so yeah. it, it's not just me that's a bad person. <laughs> uh, there was the one building that was like an old slaughterhouse that there's rumors of ghosts and stuff in the basement, and they had the excuses like, "Oh well, if police dogs alert to the smell of blood, obviously because we slaughter animals in the basement." Uh, and it had a, a cool history of like being a speakeasy, I think, and some other stuff throughout the years. Um, mm-hmm. I don't remember the name of the place. It it did lose a little bit in the tour because it was just so fucking hot out. Oh yeah, it was like, horribly hot. Like this took place, started at seven o'clock, went until seven thirty-eight, depending upon how fast you walked. And it was just, it was hot. This was the third or fourth ghost tour that I've been on. The best one I've been on was in New Orleans. Uh, Obviously, it's more haunted. But the guy at the tour, I swear he's got a deal cut with this one bar. Because as we went around, we stopped at this bar for people to get drinks. Mm. And I'm like, He's like, you know, you can use the bathroom here if you need to, because we were like halfway through the tour. But I'm also like, I mean, I can just go get a drink and walk around with booze because it's New Orleans. You could do that in Indy, too. Yeah, but there was no place on the tour to like. Yeah, they're not going to stop and let you get booze. Yeah. 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 All right. Uh, Oz, I don't believe you had any, but I'll ask. Any events? I did absolutely nothing. And in hindsight, <laughs> that was kind of a mistake. Wow. So 
Because there were 85,000 fucking people, people. crammed into that fucking vendor room, and I couldn't get anywhere. Look, all right. So for those of you who have not seen me in the past two years, when I'm at Gen Con, I have a brass-headed raven skull cane. And this is this is my handicap cane. And it's a fake handicap cane because it's specifically meant for people to get the fuck out of my way and give me space because they see I'm hobbling along with a cane. Last year, it worked great. People would be walking along, they'd stop, they'd give me space, that'd be nice. This year, nah, people were fucking throwing elbows at me when I'm trying to get down the down the aisles to look at shit. Mm-hmm. I I usually take two days to go through the vendor hall, and I was so exhausted. Like I finished up like I I did I did half of Thursday. I got to Artist Alley, and then I called it, and then I did Friday morning the uh, the Warhammer half, and the entire cut out of the middle I had to skip because of the fucking Lorcana people. Mm-hmm. And just the whole time, like the slowest day they had was Saturday because I could actually breathe and make it down a couple of aisles without getting bum rushed by people. Like it was packed. Mm -hmm. And because of that, like you couldn't get a deal on anything. Like everybody was just like, yeah, you're going to pay full price for this. And like we couldn't get anybody to show us demos. Um, I couldn't get anybody stumping their product. They did not give a fuck because everything was flying off the shelves oh yeah and you know it's it's great that they had all these people but the people that were running events were not there um because i i I go with my wife cynthia and and every year she fills her dance card with classes and you know it's this gen con stuff got a lot of ancillary stuff they've got like you know maker spaces they've got classes on dancing on on doing like weaving and embroidery and all this other stuff there's a lot of overlap between like hema and sca and and ren fair people and gen con because we're all big nerds they were not here this year you could not get shit for classes you had to throw yourself on the mercy of the court roll up to to icc 204 shout out um and give them a stack of 26 tickets and say, let me in, please. And that's that's how she got into some of her classes. So, like, last year, we didn't have that problem. Year before, uh, which would have been 21, we didn't have that problem. 19, we didn't have that problem. And, like, this year, it was a major problem. Um, like, even at the end, it had me thinking, maybe I should sign up and run a couple of games in order to like knock down the price of my badge maybe knock down the price of my hotel room because i stayed at the omni this year um the past couple of years i was running an airbnb i'd have i'd have listeners and friends and people they'd come stay with me and in 21 it was amazing because we had a full house it was affordable everybody had a great time it was close by uh last year it was pretty terrible because the economy meant a lot of people had to cancel, so I ended up eating like a twenty-six hundred dollar bill. So this year, I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to do that anymore. Yeah, no. And it, Gen Con being a large group of people, everybody was, you know, if you were really worried about COVID, you wore a mask. I saw some people with masks, but I saw the majority of people without masks. Yeah, 
I did not wear a mask. I don't think anybody in our group wore a mask except for Claire and her husband who went on Sunday. Yes. So far, they are the only two that have actually come down with COVID. I know other people at Gen Con did get COVID as well, but none of us did. We all seem to just get the normal con crud. You did. See, like I said, yeah. I stayed at the Omni. You stayed at the Omni. <laughs> and you didn't get that. Yeah, we we didn't get sick at all. Um, our our stay was very chill. We had a room on the ninth floor with a window that overlooked um, the usual food truck street that led straight to the ICC. So we could see the, the, the Capitol Street entrance of the ICC mm-hmm. at all times. It was great. And so, of course, Thursday morning, Sin and I are early risers, you know, now because we do the work thing and it's just, you know, brain turns on about four o'clock in the morning, 4.30. So it's 4.30 in the morning, four fucking 30 in the morning on a Thursday. And I'm looking out the window and I see there is a line of people already outside the ICC. I'm like. What the fuck is this? Maybe they're waiting to go get their their badges or something. I don't know. Because the ICC doesn't open until 6. So this is mm-hmm. a 4.30 in the morning. Mm-hmm. 6 o'clock, I look out. That line's gone. I'm like, okay. Yeah, they're gone. Fine. Whatever. A couple hours later, we're getting ready to head out. And I look outside one more time. There's that fucking line again. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? So we we go go down there and coming in. And there's this this huge bitch-ass line of people in that middle. And it's that Lorcana line. And it took me two days to figure out what it was for, but that line was there from like four o'clock in the morning until after the vendor hall closed every single day. Like I rolled because we had to be there at eight for a class on Thursday and seven on Friday. And so when I go in there before then, like both times, like I do my walk around the ICC, kind of get a gauge of people. And like at seven o'clock in the morning on a Friday, that place was fucking busy. But that line was already stretching towards the door. <laughs> and then by 10 o'clock, by the time it's open, you've got that line going down Capitol Street, heading towards the food trucks and, and Lucas Oil Stadium. Yeah. That line, that it was, it was the item of the year. I'll tell you that. Everybody yeah. wanted it. And they stood in line probably every day to get some. Yeah. So, you know, my goal was, you know, I don't want to worry about anything. I'm just going to chill out. I'm going to drink a lot. I'm going to eat a lot. Uh, I didn't eat as much as I thought I would, which was good. I drank a lot more than I expected, which was also good. <laughs> I, I had my cane. I could hobble from Nikki Blaine's or from, <laughs> uh, from, from Loth Miller's or wherever the fuck I was. And I could get over there. And the only bad experience that I had was at the bar at the Omni Severin Hotel. Omni guys, I am sorry. Your guy during the lunch, the the lunch run was a complete asshole. He ignored everybody for like an hour and a half. Your kitchen was not ready, which was really weird. And I had to flag somebody down in order to pay my bill. Now, y'all made up for it though, (laughs) because the only time I paid for a drink was that trip. I didn't pay for drinks at Nikki Blaine's. I didn't pay for drinks at breakfast. I didn't pay for drinks uh, 
I didn't pay for yeah, I didn't pay for my drinks at Buka because because Cotton stole mine. Oh. So <laughs> the only time I paid for alcohol was during that disastrous lunch run. It's probably why I I didn't like it so much. It's like you guys were on the ball every other time. What is this? <laughs> um, and, but that's that's what I did. And you know, next year now having thought about that, like let's go ahead and start filling the schedule because. If it continues to be as busy as that is, then I should go try and and do this gaming thing that people talk about. If I can find some like board game demos, you know, um, a long time ago, like our first Gen Con was in 2010, and that's when I started playing Red Dragon Inn at Slugfest Games booth. So 2010, 2011, we spent a lot of our time at that booth because the game was a lot of fun. Um, they didn't have the de- enough demo people to run it, so we basically absconded with a table, and we're just teaching people how to play left and right. And Slugfest had asked us if we wanted to be on demo team, and if we had thought about it more, if we weren't so freaking poor, we would have done it, because it would have paid for our Gen Con, we were having a good time. Uh, but now I'm looking at that again, like, you know, maybe I should start doing that again. Like, I had a great time teaching people how to play Dune the board game back in 21. Um... And I see everybody's now got those little, uh, all those little uh, wireless microphones, so people can hear what they're doing, which mm-hmm. is really fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, or that, or, or start doing some GMing again, some some low stakes. Uh, you guys know the system better than I do, so I'm just going to tell you a good story. You're going to tell me how you're going to fuck it up, and we're all going to walk away happy. Mm-hmm. That's good. That'll be different for you. It will be. Yeah. I will say it was so crowded, I did not get to see the entire vendor hall. Yes. This year. I saw the first several rows, and I saw the last several rows, but the middle part, never really got to. Yeah. It was just too many people. I was too cramped in. It was felt suffocating, and I was like, I have to get out of here, and I had to leave. And Uh, and honestly, like... A lot of like I got some of the middle rows because uh, like I was I was patient, which is mm-hmm. completely unlike me as anybody but anybody knows. And the stuff that was in the in the center row wasn't all that interesting. Like hmm. um, you know, T Turtle usually has a big booth. T Turtle being St. Louis based, they're huge. You know, nerdy T shirt thing. All their designs are really really cutesy. You know, like stuffed unicorns and cats and all that shit with with sarcastic lines on it. It's it's incredibly popular. They usually have like a big booth, and they've got like four or five people. They're running shirts. They're selling out. And this year they had like a half booth. They had two people, one of which wasn't there. And the stuff that they had on offer was just like not there. They just they phoned it in, and I think a lot of vendors just kind of phoned it in this year, and nobody was really expecting the sheer just chaos that was the attendance rate this year. Yeah, no, it was crazy this year. I wonder, I really wonder what it will look like next year. Gen Con has decided to remain in Indianapolis through 2030. So for everybody that was wondering if they're going to move it because of the whole political landscape here in Indiana, Gen Con, I believe, was just using that as a way to negotiate. I don't, I don't know if they really planned on 
pulling that trigger and moving. I think it was just used as a negotiation tactic, along with now the theft, further negotiating uh, power for them to maybe get a better uh, deal for themselves if they stayed. I think that's true. I, th I think you called yeah. it like a year ago. Was it two or one? It was somewhere in there you called it. And I was like, I don't know. I'm concerned. And you're like, no. Nah. And, and it, it totally feels that way. I, I don't know if the heist mattered so much because they had that press release like it dropped the hour Gen Con ended. Yeah, yeah. but that happened on Wednesday. And they, who knows? It, I mean, it feels like that's the kind of deal that gets inked before. A press release <laughs> doesn't take long to write up, number one. No, but I've but they had, the, the deal <laughs> that they had secured, I'm guessing, took longer than the weekend. But I do, I do yeah. so whatever it is, yeah, because the, 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 the release was had nary a mention of anything negative. It was like, we've yep. done this. We love Indianapolis. Yep. This is our new best friend. It was the most <laughs> like corporate-y thing I've ever seen Gen Con release. It was just 100% the... Yeah, it feel it feels like they they tried to sweat them. It was renewal time, and they were going to come up with whatever reason they could. We don't know. We could go over here, you know. Our ex girlfriend kind of wants us back. I don't know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then I think they got a pretty good deal, and I bet they were pissed at the. They're not pissed, but I, I wouldn't surprise me if the ICC people were a little frustrated that they were kind of over a barrel. Yeah. Right. That they had a legitimate thing, and that they could like. I don't think they could move. I think if, if, if I'm the ICC and you come to me and say, we're thinking about moving out of Indy, I'd be like, no, you're not. Fuck you. You love it here. We know you do. And if you move, all of your people are going to fucking revolt. Instead, it was, we can leave this place and we'll say it's because of this and we'll halfway believe it and our people will back us up and there won't be a revolt. They will follow us to wherever we want to go and we will do it above all, you know, on the horse of righteousness, goddammit. <laughs> and the ICC probably had to believe that. It was it was a it was it was leverage. Not all leverage is bullshit. That was a real threat. Yeah. So yeah, yeah they, they probably got great terms. Mm -hmm. And that's great for us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great for us, because that means what? The badges won't increase next year? Haha. <laughs> well, but not as much. But, but uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I have to say, I mean, maybe it's just my starry-eyed whatever, but I am super about Gen Con people and staff. I have never oh, yeah. had a bad experience. Yeah. I have felt that the level of safety and control for the – I mean, it, it's, it's a city. This is a, this is 70,000 people in a building in a surrounding area, and I never felt like – I never had a bad vibe. I felt like everything was under control. A lot of that is the people, but – the systems and the institution feel very sound to me. Mm -hmm. Man, I can't say that. I remember when I was doing that uh, that that expo of, of teaching people how to play Dune, and we were starting to wrap up, and one of the Gen Con staff comes up and starts laying into me because there were two tables put together that I was using, and I'd shown up and they were put together, and she was screaming at me because they were her tables, and how dare I do this, and I wasn't supposed to do this, I'm going to get thrown out. I'm like, what the fuck is up with you? Like, she went hard, hard enough that everybody else I was teaching, like, teaching how to play this game, just like, stopped and was just looking at her like, this is uncalled for. Fair enough. Then that, that is, that I, I was there, but I don't, I think that I wasn't in the vicinity when that happened. So I'm, that person maybe sucks, or maybe I'm starry-eyed and everyone else is an asshole. I, outside that, have you had any bad experiences? I mean, I don't interact with Gen Con staff, so... But, well, I, don't know, I, guess, I guess I'm saying I don't really interact with them, but it feels like things mostly work. My only complaint really is, like, the block party kind of sucks. 
That's me. Yeah, that's that's fair. Yeah, 100%. I try. I I went there. I did do my due diligence. I went to the block party. They have got to get some shade. Please, please, please invest in some type of shade bullshit because apparently in July or August it gets hot. And who'd have thought? It seems like it happens every year. And they're on they're on like asphalt. It's a it's a parking lot in concrete area with very little shade. And you're in these crazy ass lines. I I really wish they had better management over that. Like I, I don't know shit about food management, but I would feel like what I would want the Gen Con block party person to be would be a manager over what gets selected as a truck needs to be fast as shit. Like if you come here and you're going to be one of the 20 trucks that we have, you cannot take more than like two fucking minutes to sling your shit. Okay. You need to make one thing. (laughs) You need to make one thing and one thing well and sling that shit. And they need to put up some umbrellas for shade. That's it. And it would be like a market improvement because the food felt slow. I was in those lines, multiple lines. I was over there with uh, uh, Nicoya trying to get some food, and it was just glacial and no shade or very little. Glacial? Yeah, it was. It was. I uh, yeah. Despite the heat, the pace was glacial. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, it, it was hot. It is usually warm, but it was very warm. But the whole country's been dealing with heat. We're we're you know record numbers on heat this year, climate change and all that. So I mean. Yeah. Um, I've I didn't go to the food trucks myself. I I don't usually eat at the food trucks because I feel you're spending the same amount of money if you went to a sit down restaurant. And why would I stand in the heat in the line if I could just go to a sit down restaurant? So that's what I do. Anything else about Gen Con that you want to mention before we wrap up? Because we're not doing a part two. No part two. No. Blind dice packs were everywhere. Oh, and you guys got some, right? We got a, we got a bunch. And, and how was, did, were they? Uh, I mean, have you ever said you have too many dice? No. There you go. No, but I mean, how were the dice? Were they were they good sets? They were blind dice packs, so were the dice yeah. shitty? Uh, what's, what's, can you explain what a blind dice is? Like you just bought a box of dice. You know how you open packs of magic cards? You don't know what's in them. Sure. Okay, well, imagine instead of a pack of magic cards, it's a pack that is a, a polyhedral set. Okay, you, now I understand. It seems insane. Please continue. <laughs> well, there was a couple of different places that had a couple of different ways that they were dealing with them. The one was like, these are your seven polyhedrals. This is your D&D set that comes with the seven polyhedrals, a second D20, and four D6s instead of one. Like, they came out there. Some of them are cooler than others, obviously. There was another stand that uh, they had this thing was like beat the mimic, and they have these little cardboard chests, right? You could buy one for like fifteen bucks that had a set of dice in it, or if you wanted to do the beat the mimic thing, it was ten bucks, but you rolled a die, and if you rolled over a certain amount, you either got your choice of like the $15 sets or you got your, you got a random like previous generation that was like the older, more discontinued back stock that they're just clearing out. Uh, and if you rolled a 20, you got the chance to get their more premium. I think they were like 40, $45 sets. 
So I'm like, ah, you know, fuck it. What's ten dollars for another set of dice? I need more dice. They came in a cool little cardboard box. There was another stand that had uh, some leather goods. They had dice, obviously, and they had something else. But it was like buy three things, get one free. And it was like, all right, well, Susie and I each want to get something from here. We'll just get something, and then you know, oh, we'll get a free blind dice pack thing. So like. It was a cool little add-on. Uh, yeah, there's a, another dice guy that were selling actual like mystery boxes, and it was like, yeah, so it's gonna be sixty bucks, or but you're gonna get seventy-five guaranteed worth of merchandise. I did that last year, and that's when I got like the hundred twenty-five dollar set of Pathfinder polyhedrals that were metal cast. Mm. I ran that again this year. I have a gaming mat, and I got like four sets of dice and a loose metal one, and there was the one table, I think it was level up dice, but I might be wrong. They had dice and exotic metals and stuff. One of them was tungsten. And they had a... Jesus! <laughs> right? They had a sample D20 that they used... Uh, it was like a practice one from their production side that they had all kinds of random-ass numbers in it to test fonts and stuff. And the the worker there let me hold it, and it was... Two and a half, three pounds for a normal size D20. It was like, damn. I don't get this. I feel like such a party pooper. I do not get the obsession with math rocks. I have like more than enough sets at like four or five. I think metal dice are terrible. They don't bounce for shit. They're loud as hell. Yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> uh, but they're cool. Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not going to go out and buy them, but. <laughs> If I'm gonna get them in a in a mystery box, I'm not gonna say no. Mm-hmm. It's not, I'm not gonna use them. I mean, fuck, I don't have any friends here in St. Louis. I'm not gonna be get running games with anybody. Right. The Sues <laughs> was looking to pick up like a a fancy premium set of dice, but looking around over the different days, because like if you're gonna drop, let's say, sixty to one hundred dollars on a set of bougie dice. You want to make sure you're you're getting the right one, and there's so many dice people there that you gotta look. Mm-hmm. But we never got around to pulling the trigger. She got a couple of other really cool things, like this leather handmade leather bag that she got. That's cool. Um, oh, that was a thing. I was at one of the booths, and they had this little card that said "Open Me" on it, and I'm like, "What is this?" And I asked the guys that were working there, I'm like, you know anything about this? And the one that said something about a scavenger hunt, it's with this bag thing. I'm like, okay. And then I'm like, I don't know what's going on with this. I'm going to step over by this trash can and open it because I don't need to be glitter bombed. And it was, I I should have had gotten the card or whatever it was that I had with it. Uh, Some kind of like social media scavenger hunt thing. And they had a little dice bag. That was cool that wasn't associated with the booth. It was just some random ass people like, hey, can we leave this here as a scavenger hunt? And uh, I found that. So that was neat. Cool. I, 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 my, my, my closing remarks would be I had a great time. It was Jin Khan's back. It was crowded as hell. It was worth it. And I like things about the small con and I like things about the big con. I, I just had a wonderful time. All right. Well, 
I think that covers Gen Con. People have questions, let us know. Uh, but we've this is a very long extra episode. When are we recording part two? We're not recording part two. There's no part two, even though we probably could, but we're not going to. So, <laughs> that's it. There, there will be a follow-up to the nerd crime of the century. Yes, when there'll be a follow-up. Yes, yes, that that is for sure. So everybody, say good night. Good night. Good night.